So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to uh, John's Gospel. And we're going to be in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And our passage under consideration today will be John chapter 8, verses 12 through 59. 12 through 59. And uh, um, Joe and I were just talking about this uh, uh, just a moment ago. Um, he read the passage and he's like, and even Steve asked me, there, there's like a mic drop at the end. And um, this is... This is, in my opinion, I had said to Joe when we were talking about it, this is, in my opinion, one of the most fascinating chapters in John's gospel because of the exchange that is happening between Jesus and the, the Jewish leaders uh, in Jerusalem. And in the context, this goes, context goes all the way back to John chapter 7 with the Feast of Booths. We saw John chapter 7, verse 2. Uh, Jesus was heading down to the Feast of Booths, which is where they would require all the, the Jews to go to Jerusalem. It's one of the three of the year that they were to do and they were to camp outside and it's a fall festival it's connected to uh, the harvest and connected to other things and this is kind of piggybacking on the end of that so all chapter seven and eight is all in that uh, that setting last week we looked just at verse 12 where jesus says i am the light of the world and whoever follows me in dark is in uh, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life uh, today we're going to look at the entire back and forth in the all of chapter 8 from verse 12 all the way to the end in verse 59 uh, and it is very fascinating but our scripture reading is going to just be verses 31 through 59 and uh, in one of my biggest struggles before we get to our reading one of my biggest struggles in dealing with this passage and again it's fascinating uh, a truly fascinating passage in this exchange between them. And some of the things that Jesus says, I, I started to kind of think of some, what are the lessons that we can have from, from this chapter? And it uh, could be in the dozens. There's dozens of things that we could reflect on together. Uh, today, I'm going to focus on, I think, five. Um, and we're going to be covering a lot of ground here. So I'm really asking to, to try to really track with me. I'll do my best to kind of uh, cover a lot of these verses, um, but uh, if we, we could all just like strap in a little um, for this, this passage. I did not want to break this up any further. I didn't want to break it up into different sections. I wanted us to capture the whole sense of this exchange. And so having said that, let's turn to the scripture passage beginning in verse 31 I'll read verse 31 through 59, and then we will jump in to what God's word has to say to us. Verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen, you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from him and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do, not, but I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the reading of God's word. And we say, thanks be to God. And with that, let's, let's pray once again, shall we? God, again, having heard your word, we do, we do ask that here in these next few moments as we reflect on several of the lessons, the truths that are conveyed here in these, this passage, that, that of the ones that we will look at, you will um, open our eyes to truly see the significance of them and that you would help us to understand how we could live rightly in light of them. And so we ask that you would do that here in these next few moments for the sake of uh, your son's holy and precious name and all God's people said, amen. So again, the context here is in this Feast of Booths. Jesus had just earlier had made reference to himself as being uh, the one, if you come to him, he will... Um, uh, we, we, we talked last week about the two ceremonies in the festival of the Feast of Booths. One was the pouring out of the water and one was the lighting of the torches that would light up all of the courtyards of all of Jerusalem. And Jesus uh, had said, kind of alluding to himself, giving us again an identity, a, pi a picture of who he truly is, who his identity is. He said, anybody who believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, making connection to that uh, part of the ceremony. And then he ha picks up with the second one that we looked at last week. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Probably tying into the big final ceremony event of this feast of this week long feast of weeks. So he's in Jerusalem with the religious leaders. And it's at that claim that we saw last week in verse 12 that the religious leaders or the Jews take offense at his claims. And they attempt to silence him and discredit him. But the best they could do is a legal technicality. They claim that a person must be able to establish, uh, the testimony of one person must be established by at least one other person. Let's go back to verse 13. Jesus had just said, I am the light of the world. Meaning Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the source of light. He is the source of life which is a bold claim. And so the Pharisees, and sometimes John says the Pharisees here, sometimes he says the Jews. He says, you are bearing witness about yourself and your testimony is not true. Okay, so 
attempting to discredit him on a legal technicality here. And Jesus counters that in verses 14 through 18 by saying, first of all, my claim is true anyway, because I'm from God and I'm going back to God. Notice verse 14. Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Now, a little aside here. Uh, when he says about where he's come from and where he, there, where he's going, he's talking about he's coming from God the Father in heaven, and he's going to return there. They think he's like just a human person, right? He, they don't believe in this idea that he's come from God the Father. And so they understand it as, well, where did you come from? Like on earth. Jesus says, my claim's true anyway. Number two, your judgment is clouded because you think I'm merely a human. <laughs> You're thinking of me in human categories. Notice verse 15. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And then lastly, here, the third point is, and uh, Jesus is saying, my testimony is not mine alone. I have two testimonies. He, he actually says, your, your law says that, that a requirement of the testimony of two, I have two, me and my father. Verse 17, is, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the father who sent me bears witness about me. Notice a couple of times here he's invoked the father. John makes it clear a little bit later in verse 27 that they, when, he, when he's saying the word the Father, at this point, they, these religious leaders, think he's referring to his actual earthly father. They don't get the the, the Father. So they ask this question in verse 19. They said to him, therefore, well, where is your father? Testimony of two, you claim this thing? Okay, where is your father? Bring him over here. Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one arrested him because his hour had not come yet. So notice what he says in verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Notice that bold statement. He's talking to the, the Pharisees, John says in verse 13, which were the holy and set apart ones. And he claims that they are going to die in their sins. And he says, and I'm going to go away and you're going to find me, but you're, you're going to seek me, but you won't find me. Now, of course, Jesus here is saying, I'm going back to the Father. That's why you're not going to find me. But notice how they, they uh, say, verse, in, verse 22, uh, so the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I am going, you cannot come. Uh, you, sh you shouldn't read this as just confusion. I think this is mocking. The Jewish idea was that if you took your own life, you were putting yourself under judgment. So what they're really saying is here is, oh, is he going to kill himself? Because, because he's where, where he's going, we won't be able to come, meaning he's going to the bad place. That's what they're saying here. We won't see him anymore because he's going there and we're not. To this, Jesus says, no, you don't get it. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you, told you that you would die in your sins. And then notice he makes this very clear on the basis for that. For unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins. So he's, so here, here's lesson number one. Here's lesson number one. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. That's, the, that's one of the first lessons we could get from where we have gone so far in this passage. If you do not know Jesus, and by that I mean not the Jesus of your own imagination, not the Jesus of your own configuration, not the Jesus that is uh, according to the art and imagination of sinful man who want to make a Jesus into their own image. The Jesus as he is and has revealed himself in his word. And by that, I mean Jesus as Messiah, 
the anointed one of God, Jesus as the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the Lord, the Christ. If you don't know that Jesus, you don't know God. And Jesus gets really explicit here when he says this in verse 24, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, in the Greek, the word he is not there. Okay, So unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So if you do not know Jesus, then you do not know God. Several years ago, there was uh, a big controversy at one of the largest and most prestigious uh, evangelical colleges in this country where um, a professor... Uh, attempting to make a political point, um, her name was Laricia Hawkins. Uh, she had put a Facebook post out. You remember? Any of you remember this? Um, where she decided she was going to wear uh, a hijab uh, because there was some controversy over um, Islam and, and Muslims. And so, and again, this is a professor at Wheaton College, prestigious evangelical institution. And in it, she said she wanted to, to uh, show her um, solidarity with her Muslim uh, brothers and sisters and even suggested, actually out, came out right and said, just as the Pope Francis said last week, we worship the same God. Now, a lot of the controversy was centered around the idea that she wore the hijab. That was a major, a major misunderstanding of what the controversy really was and why she got into uh, such trouble for uh, for uh, some on the campus, it wasn't that she wore the hijab. It was that she was making the claim that Jews and Christians worship the same God. Or Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Thank you. That Muslims and Christians worship the same God. That's what got her into such hot water. But here's the thing. Muslims and Christians do not worship the same God, because if this principle is true that Jesus is saying here, if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know God. Then if you don't properly know Jesus as he's revealed himself, then you are not. You don't know God. You can't be worshiping the same God. Muslims will be, uh, uh, they acknowledge Jesus, that he is uh, one of many of the prophets of which Muhammad is the greatest. But that's all he is, merely a man. They scorn the idea that he actually is the son of God, that he's God in human flesh. Scorn the idea. So that became the issue. You cannot worship the same God if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus. Now, I had made a slip up there, and I said that Jews and Christians, let me extend that even to this, too, that Jews who reject Jesus as the Messiah don't know God. They're not worshiping the same God. As will become clear later in this passage, as the, the section that we had read, what Jesus has to say to the Jewish authorities, to the experts in the law, he says to them many times, you don't know God. And I would say that the common thought or teaching that is in the places or segments of the church today that seem to suggest that, yes, we are all, if, as long as it's kind of a general monotheistic faithfulness to your different expression or form of religion, we're all worshiping the same God. And that's even taught by progressive Christian segments no, if you're teaching that, I would say you don't know God because you are reinforcing an idea of false perceptions about who Jesus is. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. And here's the second corollary then to that. Notice verse 24 again. For unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So here's the second one. If you don't know God, you will die in your sins. If you don't know God, you will die in your sins. There is no salvation apart from faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior. 
and you will die in your sins. That is the wages of sin is death. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. And remember this condition. He says here, I am. Like I said, the, the Greek, we're adding the translation. We're adding this into English unless you believe that I am he. But the reference here, this allusion here, is he saying, I am. Okay, now let me at this point, let me, let me encourage you to turn back to Exodus chapter 3. Well-known story. This is Moses in the burning bush. Moses sees the bush, goes and sees this strange sight, and then a voice comes from the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses says, here I am. Take off your sandals. And he goes to see who it is, and the voice says, and I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then this voice from this burning bush calls Moses to go and go to Pharaoh, tell him that you're going to take my people and deliver them out of the land. So Moses only knows this is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Moses asks this really good question in verse 13. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? Can we get on a first name basis here? If I'm going to go and do this and deliver your people, who, who shall I say? And notice what the, the Lord God says. God said to Moses, and see how it's kind of in all caps here in the ESV? I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. And then we get a clarification a little bit here in verse 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. And then notice it says the Lord there again in Small caps. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is my name forever, and thus I shall be remembered throughout all generations. Notice that footnote. If you're, if you're in the ESV is what I'm reading from, and there's a little textual note there that says, The word Lord, when spelled in all capitals, stands for the divine name Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, which is here connected to that verb, the to be verb, Hayah. So I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. And then the, the formalized name for that is Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. So Yahweh is connected to I am. Not I was and not I will be. I am, which encompasses was and will be. I want to bring that up here because Jesus hints at it here and he gets more explicit later. So I would add to this here, for clarity, unless you believe Jesus is the Lord God, then you don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. And if you don't know God, you're dead in your sins. So Jesus' statement here, verse 24, now leads them to the question. He says, unless you believe I am, then you die in your sins. And so they ask naturally, well, then who are you? You say you're I am. Well, who are you? Verse 25. Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say to you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true. I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Again, they're still missing this idea of, of father. Notice in verse 26. I have much to say to you. I declare what I have heard from him. And that is his that is his father. Notice he continues, verse, verse 27. This is where John says, They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that, and here it is again, I am He. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Now, some in the crowd get this. Notice verse 30. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. The Lord had opened the eyes of some in the crowd when Jesus was in this debate, this argument back and forth with these Jewish leaders. 
where he, Jesus has said to himself, like he's referred to him as the son of man here. He just refers to himself over and over again as I am. And they get it. They believe in Jesus. So Jesus turns to address his disciples here. So now you, the, the back and forth with the Jewish and religious leaders. And now people believe of course, I wouldn't be surprised to think that Jesus knew that there were believers then at that moment. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, he says this in verse 31 and 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So here's the third lesson. If you know Jesus and trust in his word, you have liberation from the bondage he leaves it as just uh, freedom here, but he, he gets it, it explains it as we go down a little bit further, that he's referencing bondage to sin. Okay, now I'll get to that, come back to that in a moment. Um, so notice what it says in verse 33. They answered him. Now, I would like to contend here that the they here is not referencing the believers of verse 30 and 31, that he's referencing here back to the Jewish religious authorities. So they answered, we are offspring of Abraham and you have ne and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you can say you will become free? And so Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So there's the reference. If you believe in Jesus, you abide in his word, you're truly his disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the freedom that he's speaking there is freedom from sin. A true disciple who abides in Jesus, abides in his word, knows the truth, and the truth sets you free. Boy, if there's something, that, if there's something that's under assault more today than truth, I don't know what it is. If there's something that's under assault today that is... Uh, that's more than the truth is being under assault today. I mean, just truth. There's a documentary going around that asks a very pro provocative question. What is a woman? I have not seen it yet, but I have seen probably a dozen clips. And the one is really profound, uh, very profound, but, um, but very typical of explaining what's going on in the world today. When in the clip begins with the documentary maker saying, I just want to get to the truth. And the person that he is uh, interviewing is very a proponent of um, full embracement of kind of the sexual revolution that's happening in the world. Let's just say that. And uh, the person that he's interviewing pauses and goes, I'm just really uncomfortable with that language. Truth? He says, yeah. Yeah, he goes, as a matter of fact, that's just transphobic. And, and I thought about it for a moment, and I just could not help but think of Paul's letter to the, to the Romans at beginning in chapter 1. The darkness and wickedness that you see in the world is really the, the suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. That's what it comes down to. And so just the idea, not you're debating what it is that you believe about certain things, just the fact that there is a truth, that's the issue, isn't it? That's where, that's where it has to begin. But Jesus says, if you abide in me, you're truly my, my disciples, and then you will know the truth. You will come to love the truth. You will go from being uh, hating, liking some parts of the truth, but hating other parts of the truth that you want to suppress because of your sin and unrighteousness. But you'll come to love it. And that truth will set you free. And it will set you free from your sin. The truth about who Jesus is. So back to these Jewish leaders again. It's who I think is referenced here in verse 33. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Which is a, a little bit of an odd statement because the Jews were enslaved at one point in their history. So this is probably in, in reference to uh, more maybe spiritual realities here and not actual historical realities. This must be referenced in something else. Uh, or I just couldn't imagine them being that confused about this. 
But Jesus answered, truly, truly, verse 34, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And then Jesus acknowledges something. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Abraham's going to get a lot of press here. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen from my father and you have heard from uh, your father. Uh Oh, that's that's going to get bad here in a moment. So they're like, wait, our father, we just told you our father is Abraham. We're descendants. We can trace our lineage to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So that's what they say in verse 39. Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That's, surprise, surprise, not what Abraham did. There's two things that Abraham did. Is he believed God and he uh, acted on it. So Jesus is establishing something here. He's, he's, making, he's giving uh, lineage to Abraham in two senses. Okay, And this is very important. Notice what he says in verses 7 and 37 and 38. He makes, he's establishing a distinction between the physical descent from Abraham and a spiritual descent from Abraham. Or um, a descent from Abraham according to the flesh, biological, and descent from Abraham according to the spirit. Or descent from Abraham by lineage, family tree, as opposed to descent from Abraham by faith. Okay, Jesus is kind of establishing a wedge here because he at the same time is acknowledging one part of that, the first sense. Yes, I know you're offspring of Abraham. But at the same time, he says, you're not Abraham's children. I know you descend from Abraham, but you're not a part of Abraham. That's, that's important to understand what he's saying here. And he says, as a matter of fact, you, Abraham's not your father. You have a different father. So you may, you may be one, but you're not, you're not both. To be a true offspring of Abraham, you have to do the works that Abraham did and believe the truth about uh, what Abraham believed. So presumption on physical descent means, means nothing here. And notice Jesus' little parting shot there. <laughs> Your father in verse 41. And so they pick up on this. They said to him, the rest of verse 41, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, God. Okay, so they were claiming Abraham is their father and they're going to, well, oh, we're talking in uh, larger terms. Okay, well, Abraham is our father. Or excuse me, God is our father. To which Jesus uh, says this. No, he is not. Let me just summarize verse 42 through 47. No, he's not. God's not your father. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, right? Because you don't, if you don't know Jesus, you don't love Jesus, you don't know God. And you don't know God, you're dead in your sins. If you were your father, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. Notice he's explicit now. I didn't, I came from my father. Now he said, I came from God. I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. That's the, that's the heart of the matter, right? Fingers and ears. And now Jesus gets explicit with what he was implying in verse 41. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's, that is the devil's, desires. Wow. Just pause there for a moment. Um, Major figure in the Bible, the devil or Satan. The devil's more like a title. Satan is more his name. Satan means accuser or adversary. Devil means slanderer or liar. He has other terms um, in the Bible, like uh, Abaddon or Apollyon, which means destroyer. That's just the Hebrew or Greek version of destroyer. He's called the Lord of Flies, um, Belial, the serpent, that ancient serpent. He's described... Um, with these attributes all through that are affirmed in the New Testament. He's a a tempter, a betrayer, a perpetual sinner. He's conceited, full of hate, 
known as the evil one, the prince of demons, the dragon, the ancient serpent, the ruler of this present world, the prince of the power of the air, a devious schemer masquerading as an angel of light. But here he gives, Jesus focuses on two of those attributes. He's a liar and he's a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe in me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Here's the fourth lesson. If you are not a child of God, you are a child of the devil. Remember, Jesus is leveling a very serious charge here against none other but the religious authorities over Israel at this time. And he claims that the religious authorities in Jerusalem, the capital, are not children of Abraham. Not only that, they're not children of Abraham. They're not children of God. As a matter of fact, their father is the devil himself, he says. For the term spawn of Satan, that's what Jesus is saying. And again, let me point out, there are only two options. There's no third parentage here. You, there's no, well, I'm, neither God nor Satan is my father. No. How do you know which? So if there's only two, well, how do you know which one? Verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. Now, we could get a, go into a lot of depth here about which comes first here. Notice it's not the reverse. I'll just leave it at this. Notice it's not the reverse. Whoever does not hear the words of God is not of God, right? You do not, Jesus doesn't say it that way. He says, no, the reason you do not hear them is because you are not of God. No, I'll just leave it at that. The of God comes before the hearing. So how do you know? Do you hear the words of God? Do you hear the words of God and have you come to, have your eyes opened to what the word says? Do you repent of your sins? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you submit to him? Do you know him and trust him and love him and want to love him more and learn more about him? Well, I have good news for you. Then that's a really good indicator that you're of God. But if you say no to those things, you don't have some neutral parentage somewhere else. That's an important thing to keep in mind. There's only two options. I, I think of Paul's um, conversion story in Acts chapter 9, where Jesus, the Lord Jesus, appears to Paul as he is breathing out murderous th threats, trying to kill Christians and Jesus speaks to him. Paul repeats that story a couple of times and he adds other details. And in Acts chapter 26, he adds this, this little detail where Jesus says to him, but rise, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you. That's I, Jesus, have appeared to you, Paul, for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness to these things. That you have seen me. I'm going to send you out to go and share the truth about me. And then it says in this in verse 18, of Acts 26, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. There's no option. There's no third option. That they may receive forgiveness of my sins, of their sins, and find a place for those who are sanctified by faith in me. So, if you do not hear the words of God like these guys do not hear, I mean, we're talking religious, moral people not recognizing Jesus. Then you're not a child of God. Instead, you're a child of the devil. But if you hear God's word, you believe, you repent, you submit to him and want to know and love and trust him more, then, then you are of God. 
So now with this, now it gets really ratcheting up here. And they charged Jesus with being um, possessed by a demon, verse 48. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. Um, Speaking of demons and all of these things and spawn of Satan, I don't have the demon. This is, uh, you, you kind of got this backwards. But I honor my father and you dishonor me, yet you seek Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, and if everyone who keeps my word will never see death. Now, to this, they go back to their charge that Jesus has a demon again. Verse 52, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Boy, that's the question, isn't it? Are you, first there's two questions in verse 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham? So notice their reasoning, uh, their, their reasoning here. Um, Jesus was saying, if you keep my word, you're, you're not ever going to taste death. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. Abraham, the great Abraham, the patriarch of the people of God, he's dead. He died. So you're you're claiming that if somebody comes to you and believes your word, that that makes you greater than Abraham. And and they point this out. The prophets, they died. Wait a second. You're saying that if somebody comes to you, they don't get what the prophets got? They all died. Or you don't get what Abraham got? He died. That's their, that's their argument and their reasoning here. And so Jesus says, that, that's the first question. Are you greater than our father Abraham? His answer is yes. Who do you make yourself out to be? If, if you're greater than Abraham, who do you make yourself out to be? This is what Steve referred to before the sermon. as uh, The mic drop. Okay, you ready? For, for the older people, that's kind of like their final definitive saying, and now you're done. That was a joke. I mean, <laughs> false. Thanks, Steve. Because you had said it. <laughs> Jesus answered, oh, who do you make yourself out to be? This is where Jesus is getting to. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is the, my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father, again, the two senses of of Abraham here. Your your father, Abraham, according to your lineal, according to the flesh, according to biology. Your father rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Whoa. So the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? This is just fueling their he's insane or he's demon-possessed kind of thing, right? He's, he's claiming that Abraham foresaw Jesus. That's what he's claiming. Verse, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. What, what is he? He saw it and was glad. What is going on here? You're only 15 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Right? We've, we've seen him allude to this a couple of times in this passage already, except the, the ESV, by adding the he there to try to clarify a little bit, it would sound kind of weird for us. But he had hinted at this already. Unless you believe that I am, you're going to die in your sins. I am, and now he sits here and says it out definitively. Before Abraham, before Abraham even came into existence, I am. Not I was, not I will be, although that's encompassed in I am. Jesus is, what is Jesus doing here? Back to Exodus chapter 3, Moses appears to the book. And by the way, what's the name I should say? I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. Yahweh. Jesus is claiming to be Yahweh. You've heard me say this many times. Some people say, 
some skeptics or atheists or unbelievers will say, but there's nowhere in the Bible that Jesus comes out and says, I am God. And I, I just go, <laughs> book me on the television show because that's what he says. That's what he's saying. He's saying, yes, I am. Now, how do we know that? Are you sure? Are you, Aaron, are you reading too much into the Greek here? So, well, let's go at what their response was. What's their response? Verse, verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why would they throw stones at him? Turn with me to, to skip ahead into John chapter 10. Because they meet again. Jesus and these guys meet again. And Jesus says in verse 30, something in essence to what he's saying here in verse 59. He's talking about his sheep hearing his voice and I give them eternal life. And then in verse 29, he says, my father has given to them, them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And then he says, I and the father are one. That's his, as being one in essence, one in being. Obviously separate persons, but essence in being, he's claiming to be Yahweh here, just like he did in verse 59. And then we have the same response in verse 58, what Jesus claims in 58, the same response in 59 that we have here. Verse 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Why? Jesus answered them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. Which of them are you going to stone me? Jesus answered them, it's not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. The penalty for this sort of blasphemy, it's right there in Leviticus chapter 24, is death by stoning. Why do they grab stones? Because Jesus was claiming to be God. That's why. So here's the fifth lesson. Jesus is the Lord. C.1. If you don't know Jesus, the Lord, you don't know God. And if you don't know God, you die in your sins. If you know Jesus and you trust in his word, you have liberation from the bondage of sin. But if you don't, you're not a child of God. You're a child of the devil. Friends, I, I implore you. And I, I pray, my prayer before every time I uh, uh, preach is that God's word would be opened up to everyone, every hearer's eyes. But I, I also, and the reason why I make that my prayer that is because of the fundamental uh, the fundamental work of the Holy Spirit to do that. God's word and God's spirit work in conjunction to perform the miracle of regenerating dead persons and bringing them back to life. For to, to regenerate and cause those to trust in Jesus and to believe in him, to have their eyes open. Everybody I, I know who's a genuine Christian can all point to the fact that at some point their eyes were just opened. It was like the veil had been lifted and that they saw the scriptures for what they really say and who Jesus really is and what their guilt really is and the grace that he offers to them. And all of it becomes open and it's just like, the, like a switch was flipped on. That's the word of God and the spirit of God working together. So that's my prayer for all of you. And for anyone that you might be, have opportunity to share this passage or any passage in scripture with. That his word would go out and that the spirit would use that to open people's eyes. We are in the midst of... Um, an ever-increasing darkness in this world. I've been around for 50 years of it, and it seems it's, just from my perception, it seems like it's getting darker. That the truth is being suppressed. And not the grand, just the grand truth about who God is and who Jesus is. Of course, that's included. I'm talking even obvious ones <laughs> are being suppressed. 
We're in a dark world right now. Right? But Jesus is the light of the world, and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Friends, I pray that you have the light of life and that we all would share that light of life. Amen? Let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Oh, majestic Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you that according to your wisdom and your purpose and your plan, you sent your Son, Jesus, into this world, into human flesh, to redeem lost human sinners. We praise you and thank you for that. And we thank you for this passage that we have seen here today and how how clearly it spells out the identity of who your son Jesus is. Father, I pray that that these words that we have looked at would cause us to marvel at your grace, that we would think about and meditate in amazing wonder at your son Jesus and who he is. And that you would spur us to deeper trust and faith in him. And God, we pray for this dark, dark world. That the truth that we read in verse 12, that if Jesus really is the light of the world, we pray that that light would shine forth into the darkness. And that indeed the darkness will not overcome it. Help us to keep that in mind. As we walk with Jesus. As we trust in him. As we abide in him and abide in his word. And experience the true freedom and liberation that he gives. We praise you for Jesus. And it's in his mighty and holy name that all God's people say, amen.